Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hello and thanks for downloading Outspoken, the podcast that brings you the very best of our daily talk sports show. On today's episode, Arsenal Invincible, Martin Keown joined myself and Simon as we look back on the weekend action with Arsenal keeping pressure on Manchester City at the top and West Ham taking a big step towards safety with a win over Manchester United. You'll hear from West Ham captain Declan Rice and manager David Moyes. Plus, Simon made his feelings clear after Liverpool fans booed the national anthem just hours after King Charles' coronation. Martin, a lot to get through this morning. Your beloved Arsenal went up to the northeast and won at Newcastle. Uh, we're going to in- into that in a second. Uh, I was at West Ham last night, Simon. David Moyes asking very kindly for you. And why wouldn't he be? Because he'd just seen his side yeah, beat absolutely. Manchester United. Yeah, I saw the exuberance on the pitch after the game, yeah. It was some atmosphere, Simon, I've got to say. I mean, the London Stadium, you would not hear one West Ham coming out at the end saying, don't fancy that place. They loved it. It was a great, great night. Yeah, well, that needle's moved, isn't it? I mean, the team has given them more to cheer about, not in recent times in the league, but certainly in Europe, to be distracted from the arguments around what the bait and switch was around the Berlin moving to the London Stadium. I mean, it's a perfect... David was unhappy about the game being played on a Sunday night on the week before a European Cup semi-final, or a European semi-final. He won't be so unhappy now because they'll go into it with momentum, they'll go into it with the feel-good factor. The fact they've got the first leg at home was a slight disadvantage, but they'll go in now bouncing off the back of a great win against Man United and set themselves up for an opportunity to maybe turn this into quite... A significant season because if they can finish 40 plus points you know be 12th 13th on the table not what they wanted but not as bad as it could have been at one point and then go and win a European trophy you know the dial may change on yeah, David's yeah. potential challenges of another season with West Ham because I thought he was under slight bit of threat both from himself wanting not to be part of some of the things that were going on in terms of some of the vitrol and potential the fact that they themselves at the top might have gone Okay, David's run his race a little bit. I think you're spot on with that. Um, We're going to hear from David Moyes. I had a chat with him after the game last night. I was at the match. Um, And we'll have a chat with Declan Rice as well. Declan was outstanding last night. Um, Arsenal, Martin, won at Newcastle to move back to within a point of Manchester City. I mean, have Arsenal steadied the wobble, if you like, Martin? Has it come too late? 
has it come too late? I, you know, I think what they've got to do is keep that pressure on Man City. And, you know, you look at it going through to the end of the season and I looked again at the City fixtures. Um, Jim, I've, they've just won 12 of the last 13 games, Man City. So you, you're going to have to ask them to have a little wobble. They, if they draw, I think, mean, a couple of games there, then suddenly it goes to, to the last weekend. But uh, we, it looks like City are going to do it. But Arsenal, I think, now, there's been a big debate about winners. Um, what does it take to be a winner? Are you born winner? Do you, do you become a winner? Do you develop winners? <clears throat> I think when you face adversity and disappointment, as they did last season against Newcastle and against Spurs, yeah, I think they've used that as energy to come back and, and get great results there this season. I thought it was, a, it was a good step from an Arsenal point of view yesterday in the long-term view or vision of the club to try to become real winners and win a trophy. I wonder, Simon, if there's any coincidence that they've righted themselves once they moved to chaser as opposed to the chased. Maybe, maybe. Um, I mean, look, there's there's still many a slip twixt cup and lip in this race. I like because, that. Because you've got, you've got Man City. If Man City go and get knocked out of the Champions League, what does that do to them? They've got that distraction, which may give Arsenal just a little sneak opportunity. They may find themselves in a situation. Now, I mean, obviously, Leeds put themselves in a mix for about seven seconds in the game um, by getting a goal, uh, you know, against the run of play and with the arguments around who should have taken a penalty to put the game out of sight. I still think Man City will win the league. And of course, there is an argument. Of course, there's an argument. It's, it is inexplicable to some extent to look at that run of form against Everton, Southampton, West Ham, less so Liverpool, but in those games to try and explain why Arsenal let it slip from their grip. It, it feels a little, a tiny, and Martin will probably bristle at this, a tiny bit like the run-in last year where it was theirs to lose fourth spot and they subsequently did. Mm. This is slightly earlier because it wasn't at the last four or five games of the season where Spurs came on and Arsenal fell away. But I think they'll look at games like Everton and of course the Deitch bounce, but they still shouldn't have lost that game. They didn't turn up in that game. And the Southampton and West Ham games, and that's where they handed it. So to go to your question, I don't know, Martin and I, we found an accord in, in this scenario of Rio Ferdinand being facetious and clever with him about what winners look like. We all know, what he knows what winning looks like because he's, he's played an Arsenal side that's won. <laughs> I think winning is a, is a mentality. Of course you've got to have an outcome at the end. I think Arsenal have got a winning mentality a more of a win mentality than they ever had. So maybe he and I misspoke and gave someone an opportunity to be a slight facetious about what an ultimate winner looks like. But I'm not sure that the, the narrative of bottlers or chokers on losing it from the front is fair to levy. They just haven't perhaps got enough experience. To give personal experience of that. So on the way to being a winner and winning trophies, I knew I was a winner. Personally, I knew I was a winner. But to, to shut everybody else up and to, and to how you're perceived by other people, you need to win trophies. But it has to start from within. You have to believe your winners. You have to create a culture of winners. And I think Arteta's done a really good job at doing that, Jim. And it's about the people that are in the building. He's got the right people. He's got the right players. And now they're showing their personalities. Well, Jorginho Martin, yesterday was fantastic because he's been a winner, hasn't he? Yeah, of course. In the Premier League. You mentioned Arteta there. He felt his side used the emotions from last year's defeat at Newcastle in just the right way. It was a special day. It was a different game to any other game because the emotions that were involved and we had to play with that emotion and we had to go back to the experience that we have here last year and really feel again where we were. And, um, and when the sports gives you another opportunity, you have to make sure that you approach it in a different way. And, and I saw a team today with, with a lot of fight and a lot of desire to win. It doesn't matter what and it doesn't matter what type of game they have to play out there. And, and they stay by it and, and we deserve to win the game. 
You see, I mean, Simon, almost 12 months ago, Arsenal collapsed at Newcastle yeah. 2-0 and they saw their top four hopes go up in smoke. Yeah. I mean, what a difference a year makes, right? Of course, absolutely. Undeniably, because Arsenal's second in the league, so it didn't make a difference just because they rocked up to Newcastle and beat them there. They're second in the league. That difference has already been established. What you again, again, to answer the question, is it again about bouncing out of the top of the league and being relaxed and more composed to go and get... No, 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 no. That Newcastle side irrespective of whether Arsenal were top of the league, leading the way, or second in the league, were the side that no one wants to play at St James's Park. Whoever you are, wherever you were in that particular title race, or wherever you were in the league, to go to Newcastle and ostensibly, despite the first 10 minutes, shut that game down and be the better side on the pitch and pay, pay, play against a cacophony of noise that Newcastle fans bring, yeah. and pressure and atmosphere and momentum, yeah. tells you that Arsenal... Are a very good side. Mm. A very Jim, good Jim, side. Uh, Jim, we like it or not, where the fixtures fall are very important in your running. Now, I just look at this with Man City, and they've got two really what I consider difficult away games, but it might not even matter. The, the Premier League might be won by then. So next season, maybe those should be filtered because Brighton away and Brentford away are their last two games. And if they were dotted, you know, maybe five, six weeks ago, you might have had a different look at the Premier League. Yeah. Because the record that they've got now, what, 12 wins from 13, City are just moving through the gears. Sure. Before we hit the break, actually, Martin, I want to I throw this at you, but Newcastle, did they get a taste of their own medicine when it came to game management? Eddie said afterwards, it was frustrating because we wanted the ball in play. It was very stop-start, which suits the away team. Well, that could have been the quotes from Arteta in their first meeting in the Premier League earlier this season when Newcastle came and actually showed the way in that field. Yeah. And uh, brand new. It's a brand new team. Uh, I thought their game management, Newcastle, had been brilliant at that. I actually did an article on it, the number of minutes they had the ball in play. And uh, yeah, Arsenal did. And it was interesting, actually, because without naming names, a lot of those Newcastle players were getting particularly angry because they it sometimes takes one to know one. So if, you're prepared, if you actually waste time, you know what someone else is doing. And I thought Xhaka... Actually, yes, I thought he was brilliant mm. in everything he did in the game management, Jim. I and mean, you can't win every game playing beautiful football. And Jorginho yeah. said the players bought into what they needed to do and they played Newcastle at their own game. 100% engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. When you look at it, Martin, they claim, they claim a great win and they ease any distant relegation fears. You'll hear that confirmed by David Moyes very shortly. But you said this would happen. I've got to say to you, you said Manchester United would stutter in terms of their top four bid and we're seeing it, are we? Well, we are because Liverpool have just won six games on the bounce. So, of course, that's all important that they keep that pressure up. And, you know, Manchester United away from home, Jim, there's two defeats now on the trot. Um, I do feel still now, I said the Villa game was really significant and they won that at home. They've got three home games, albeit Wolves, Chelsea, Fulham. Uh, and one away game and that probably will save them Jim because their away form is really not good enough but the next game up is uh, all important Liverpool are away at Leicester home to Villa and away at Southampton so you'd like to think really maybe they're just going to just storm through those games never easy of course uh, but Man United need to pull up now because if they don't they're, they're going to throw it away Jim yeah um, I mean I left last night Martin I could hear some mutterings among some of the United supporters about De Gea I mean, where do you stand in De Gea? Because uh, it, it, it was a shot from Ben Rama that I think most of us could have had an attempt at saving. De Gea had an attempt but kind of helped it in. I mean, he has these moments. He had he's, one at Brentford. He's got he, it in him, Away he? from home, he just seems to lose concentration. Um, his passing as well. He's just... I'm not sure what happens. This is an incredibly experienced player. Played an awful lot of Premier League games and every now and again, Jimmy, just stopped. 
I mean, that was such a... Uh, I mean, he could have put his foot on it, really, I suppose. Yeah. Just, And it was really a, a poor goalkeeping and it puts them in a lot of trouble. They've still got the uh, FA Cup final to work towards, Jim. They could still end up in the top four. So they're trying to rescue their season. And the manager, of course, is trying to keep him on board, wants him to sign a new deal. But look, he's got, he's, he knows he's made a, a real howler and let... He's put him under enormous pressure for the rest of the season. I mean, the, the race for Champions League football, uh, you would think, Simon, is back on. Which United is looking more vulnerable to the Chasers, Manchester or Newcastle? Neither. Go on. Neither. They'll both finish inside the top four. Liverpool, OK. They'll both finish inside the top four? Yeah. Uh, what makes you so confident about that? Because they're, both, because they're both good sides. They've both got enough about them and enough points on the board to achieve it. I mean, we're making a case for Liverpool. We'll make a case for Brighton. I think if you look at Manchester United's run-in of Wolves, Fulham and Chelsea at home, I expect them to probably win all three of those games. Um, I'll certainly get seven points out of them and that will do it. Mm. And that's the end of the discussion. Newcastle um, have been in a remarkable vein of form besides the loss against Aston Villa. They've had one moment. Eddie Howe will regroup. Didn't like the result yesterday. Didn't yeah. take it as gracefully as I thought he might. Yeah. Um, but then again, you show me a good loser and I'll show you a loser, I suppose. Um, and we can debate about what losers look like if we want, Rio. Um, but um, we, um, we, I just believe that those two sides, on the balance of probability, will be in there. You can make a case for Liverpool. Um, well, Tony's making a case. Liverpool fan, United look tired. Liverpool look fresh. Simon, players are coming back from yeah, long I mean, term injury. I mean, it's quite flippant of you to say it in, in that manner. But I mean, Wolves have actually did really well at the weekend, didn't they? Look like they're on the way and, back. And, and yeah, that's right. And Wolves, and, and Wolves the previous week got handed their head six. They did. So they, they should. If they didn't, if they didn't give a reaction, they, did, back, they should you, be ashamed of themselves. But look at the Man United closely that you're actually playing against. So you have got Luke Shaw playing centre half. I'm yep. not really sure why they're doing it. You have got an Eriksson in midfield. Um, which is maybe make him a little bit vulnerable def defensively. Mm -hmm. um, which is only Rashford. I mean, Fernandez, of course, we know is a good player. It's only Rashford that would really frighten you defensively. So, what are you really up against now that you're playing against this Man United team? Is it is it really that good? Is it really full of riches? Is it full of quality? No, but neither Liverpool. Liverpool are having a slight moment at the moment. It was a week ago. Liverpool strode into a three 0 lead and then huffed and puffed and almost gave the game away to Tottenham, a Tottenham side that we religiously and relentlessly say have got no backbone, no substance, and couldn't find their backsides with both hands in a funnel. So we're in that situation where we actually got to compare like to like. I think Manchester United are not a great side, but I think they've got enough about them with the points total they've got at this moment in time, with the games that they've got. Three home we, games we've should made be it. enough. Well, that's my point. Mm. So that's the reasons why, to go to my flippancy, that's the reasons why... I've made that flippant observation it, about it, Man United. Always, one it, point more than always Liverpool. Looks easy. And that's fine, but I've got a game in hand. Yeah. Oh, Jim, it always looks easy, doesn't so it? Before. It always looks easy for people watching the from the outside. But, you know, there'd, be, there'd have been an inquest at the club today, you know, and they need to sort it out, Manchester United. They can't just be throwing things away. Oh, the they, were, they, they were walking out with heads down last night. For sure. Uh, well, for sure. It'll wake them up. I mean, they've had two results in a week. I mean, the Brighton result, you, you've got to give context to Brighton and how good they've become. Yeah. And the fact that they would want some retribution for what they would feel was an unfair loss in the FA Cup semi-final. Yeah. So that result had something written on it. I'll tell you whose fault it is. Who? Well, I won't. Let Gary Neville tell you. United's so poor in this game. Um, then he goes on. The real disgrace of the Glazers. Are they waiting for the last game at Old Trafford to pass? It would be typical of them we can shirking accountability and responsibility to the very end. Members of staff on and off the pitch are in an uncertain position waiting for the owners, the new owners, let alone recruitment and what budget there's going to be. This should have been done classless to the end. It's a glazer's fault. Well, listen, that's, that's playing to a gallery, isn't it? That's playing to an audience. 
given the fact that I doubt he didn't have a problem playing for the Glazers for those years, did he? He didn't have this sentiment when he was taking their particular pound. He's entitled to his view. He, I doubt that he has much managerial experience of what the Glazers are really like. I'm not going to defend the Glazers because every time I open my mouth about them, I suggest that this is the real world. Grow up and stop whining. Um, you've got a football club that spent, yes, it could have spent a billion pounds more over the last 10 years, but it's already spent much more than everybody else. And it's the people that they've recruited and the people that have managed their club that haven't done a good job. Now, whether Ed Woodward's in that equation, whether Jose Mourinho's in that equation, whether uh, Van Hal's in that equation, whether whoever else we can put in. The one thing I can never give them a pass for, ever, is the three years that they alighted upon Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I can never program that into my mindset yeah. as the actions of a big football club operating at the highest level. But this is just silly stuff. But look, United are going to spend the same money that they spend in every transfer window, irrespective of who's the owner. And people that don't understand the nature of business are going to say, oh, there's going to be uncertainty. There's no uncertainty. First and foremost, we see many football clubs, for example, Sheffield United, whose boardroom's in chaos, transfer embargo, don't know who's going to own a football club. Oh, they got promoted. Oh, it doesn't count then, does it? Only counts when it goes the other way. It's nonsense. It's crap. It's football mythology. The players are on one island and the owners are on another. Half the time, the players wouldn't even recognise who the owner is. So is this utter tripe to bring the Glazers into this well, after last night? Well, of course it is. Of course it is. When United, if Man United win the FA Cup, I just say they win the FA Cup, right? Do you think the old de facto mayor of Manchester will pop up and turn around and say that's because of the Glazers? Well, of course he won't, will he? He'll turn around and say it's because of everything else. It's in spite of the Glazers. Martin, you played Reed Disney. Is there one United player... And I watched him last night. I was standing right beside him at the end of the game. Is there one United player last night who's got the Glazers in his head? Well, it, they shouldn't be in their head, should it? If you're a player, you just concentrate what's in front of you. You know, you don't worry about ownership. You worry about opportunity that's there. And they have an opportunity to make the top four. I can't be owning, moaning about who's the owners of the football club, Jimmy. It's, yeah. it's not really coming into your head. Of course, it's uncertainty and you want it resolved as soon as possible. But right. there's a game to play. It's not classes, is it? I mean, ultimately, you're doing a business deal. It's like railing against a system whilst paying your hotel workers minimum wage. Is that hypocrisy? I wouldn't know who did that. But the point is this. If you look at the dynamics of it, it's got nothing to do with the sentiments behind what the Glazers are doing. One thing is a commercial transaction. Yes, he has a case to answer. I really don't think they've gone for best in class in a number of occasions. And when they have got best in class, they've got best in class that have been past their sell-by date or didn't actually want to be at Man United yeah. for any period of time, yeah. wanted to live in a hotel and commute back to London. But 100%, you say Manchester United and Newcastle United will end up top four. Where's my view? Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. It's all about Manchester United this morning, is it? What about West Ham? No name in this message. I listened to TalkSport last night and they were excellent, especially on Declan Rice. Come on, guys. What about Declan? What about West Ham? You're absolutely right. And that's why last night I had a chat with Declan who gave me his reaction to that 1-0 win. It's a massive win for our season. Um, as you can see, the, the smile on my face is... Uh, <laughs> I see it. It's beautiful. <laughs> but look, look, we know as players this year, we've, we've not been the best by our standards where we are in the table. Um, hasn't been good enough, but... I think tonight you see a West Ham of old, you know, full of energy, on the front foot, aggressive. And, you know, to win that tonight was really special. You played out your skin. <laughs> and there were other, others too, though, Declan, to yeah, be fair. Yeah, I mean, did, did we see the best of Paqueta? Mikel Antonio yeah. was a huge performance. Yeah, it was incredible. Man to man today, it was, it was the one we looked at as a, lad, a bunch of lads. And we said, look, this is the one we need to nail. And to a man, I think everyone was excellent. Tilo, the right back, was just on another level tonight. Aggressive, front foot. Like you said, Paqueta as well. Um, he's really finding his feet now. So, look, good times are, are back on their way. And obviously, we've got a good semi-final to look forward to. So, there's a lot of positive things now between now and the end of the season. So, look, let's, let's keep enjoying it. What about the last five or ten minutes or so? I mean, backs to the wall. How did you feel? I mean, it was nerve-wracking. Yeah, when you, when you see eight minutes go up, you can't <laughs> help but think something's going to happen. But, look, to, to, to see it out and defend and, you know, keep redefending and... Do you know what? We should have had probably one, more than one or two. But look, to get the win regardless is really special. The key thing is, Declan, you look at the Premier League table, you can breathe a bit, right? Yeah, yeah look, I think that win today gives a little gap between us and the others. Still feel like we need another win maybe. But look, tonight is a massive win and we're going to enjoy it. How did you feel with the atmosphere in here? To me, that's probably the best I've ever heard, the London Stadium. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it was up there with last year, the semi-finals for sure, um, in, in the Europa League. But look, the, the West Ham fans, when they get behind us, they're, on, they're our 12th man. So hopefully they can keep getting behind us now between now and the end of the season. So listen, another season in the Premier League, hopefully that's as good as done. And say you lift the Europa Conference League. What kind of season would that be? A successful one for West Ham, for sure. Not won nothing since obviously Billy Bonds was around. Um, obviously won the um, championship back in 2012, but in terms of a big trophy, the FA Cup. So look, the European one's the one we want to set our sights on. I don't think I've ever seen you play better. You, you were so committed tonight from yeah. start to finish. I mean, it was a huge performance from you. Are you proud of yourself? Yeah, I'm happy. Um, like I said, when you play against Man United, you always really want to play well, um, you know, because they're the biggest club in the world. Everyone watches Man United. And like I said, you, you, want, to, you want to stand out. And, you know, that's what I try to do every game for West Ham. You know, when you play against the bigger teams, you've definitely got that extra fire in your belly to perform. He had nothing left, Martin, when he was talking to me last night. He'd left it all out in the pitch, literally. He was incredible. Superman last night. He was everywhere. Yep. Um, developed, hasn't he, from a well, central defender to now a top midfield player. So um, it will be a difficult task to, to hold on to him. And just looking at their recent games, I mean, lost the last three matches going into this. Um, we know the atmosphere that can be created, don't we, at the London Stadium and those fans really, once they're behind their team, it's a really difficult effort oh, to yeah. go there, Jim. And, yeah. Um, it was always going to be, uh, you know, I was talking about this as a fixture for Arsenal way back, being told, being ridiculed and said, ah, West Ham, what do you mean? That's going to be an easy game. It's never an easy game to go to West Ham when they're fighting for their lives. They're secured now, Jim. I think Moyes now, his future is going to be safe. I, I like the, the, the look of the team now 
Paqueta in midfield, top Brazilian international. Why why couldn't? Is it taking him so long? Is a is it a bit of a mystery? Ben Rama, there's quality in the team. Cresswell at left back is is a best shout. So they look much more solid. That's the platform. But they're actually playing a bit of football at the same time. They've yeah. got players in the team who can score goals. Of course, they were handed a gifted a goal there, but they hung on and they probably should have had more goals, Jim. Talking about futures, Martin, where is Declan's? I mean, obviously, talk abounds that he's into the last few weeks at West Ham and it could be an incredible last few weeks for him there if they win in Europe. But Arsenal? <sighs> Let's see. I, I, you know, I'm sure that Arsenal will be interested in doing this transfer fee, though, isn't it? It's going to be enormous. You know, West Ham will want to cash in as he as he runs down his contract. They need to do the right business while he's there. They take advantage of him, and he's kept them, helped to keep them in in the Premier League. Can so you see the fit cool. at Arsenal? Uh, I think it's going to be too expensive for Arsenal. Quite quite frankly, um, it will be too expensive probably for Liverpool, who've been running in the Champions League now for a number of years. So uh, it's a player that Arsenal would like. But uh, maybe as a free transfer, but not not with the sort of uh, the, the cost involved too much, Jim. You're not good the extra mile for him though, Martin. To be honest, the way he plays, I don't know for Arsenal. I mean, if you look at their business, Trossard was came in in the transfer window, Jim, when they were a much bigger fish and more expensive players. Is I don't think that's the route that Arsenal will go. I don't think they've got the 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 money to do that. Okay, the Champions League brings vast revenue. But I don't see that as a player that they can afford to buy. Well, at one stage they would, have, they were. It seemed they would have been prepared to spend something like eighty or ninety on Mudrik. What's going to be? What is it? 100, 100 million for him? One hundred and twenty-five. One hundred and twenty. It's a hell of a lot of money. Plus add-ons. We well, heard that's maybe what they want. We'll see how much competitive tension they get. I personally don't think there's a football on the planet's worth one hundred million quid. So start from that premise. But given the other side of the argument, when people are being sold for that, look, if the competitive tension in the market between Chelsea. Arsenal, Arsenal can absolutely Arsenal can afford to buy this player if they choose to. Given the fact that Arteta will have given them a proof of concept, he'll give them if they believe that Declan Rice is an integral part of building the side to win the Premier League, he'll be able to sell that. He'll be able to sell it because he'll go, "I'm that away, I'm that away." He's not. He needs other players in there as well. But if he thinks it's a real fundamental thing, I think it's a sellable situation to Arsenal. They do spend money. They, spend they tried se- to take Casado, didn't they? They spent 70, 80 million quid on million. the boy Pepe. So they are c- capable of spending big money. And now that market's moved on, there's more money in the Champions League. There's more opportunities for them. They've got a different audience with the owner now. He's more engaged than he's ever been post the European Super League debacle. So there's a different feel about Arsenal. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did. But the only way this gets to 120 million quid is if United, City, Chelsea... Um, and Arsenal all cut one another's throats for the benefits of West Ham having come through the Chelsea Academy it'd be difficult for them wouldn't it to go and pay 120 million for him Chelsea but money doesn't seem to be an issue but they can't keep buying players Jim as they are mm. and balance the books at Chelsea mm. players are going to have to leave there before they can go in and get but I mean Simon said he's, it could be the difference he, it could be the difference right in the minds of those that does want he to take sign them him. to the next level well, I'm not sure I mean it's one thing playing for West Ham I am not I, I think he's a really, really good player. I don't salivate over him as much as some other people do. I think Sunes' observation of him during the season was right about what he needs to be and what he's currently being. He doesn't score enough goals, doesn't get further enough up the pitch. Now, that may all change if he goes to a better side. It may not. They might put him in a quarterback role. I don't know what the other sides have in mind for him. Will he go into Man United and make Man United a title-winning side? Does he go into Chelsea with this litany of players they've already got there and help that particular hodgepodge? Does he go into Arsenal and get them to the next level to win the league? Or do Man City require him? But all of those guys... That is a key role, though, isn't it? Grist to the elbow. That for, position. For, for West Ham. Simon, it's a really key position, isn't it? I mean, we had Pep, the master, telling us about Rodri. Do less. Less is more. I don't want you charging all over the place. Well, Declan charges everywhere. Mm. So if he went to a city, or maybe he needs to do a bit less, Jim, in that, in that role. 
maybe it's, it's because of the team he's in, he having to rescue everybody running all over the place. But, you know, that position, uh, Jorginho was quite brilliant for Arsenal just the other night. And he's not a massive athlete, mm. but yet he covered more distance than anybody else on the pitch. So It's just it, these different roles that Rice seems to fulfil, Martin. It's they, a role of leadership. They, they knew Manchester United were going to go at them early on, so he stayed deep. And yeah. he was outstanding. But and then when they grew more confident, mm. he began to unleash himself a bit more. But he's the leader of the pack at West Ham. He is. He is. And I'm not sure he would be necessarily if he went to a Manchester United just yet. Fernandez well, wants to run things. You know, but when you when he goes to the next step, he's got to be ready to take the reins yeah. and control that midfield. No, oh, he looks as if he's ready. By God, he was ready last night. Moy's got it right in so many different facets of this game. And last night, he was relaxed when we when I spoke to him. And it wasn't quite a moment for David Moyes and West Ham last night, getting that win. The win was the most important thing. The performance always is important. And I thought the reason the performance was important tonight was because of a semi-final of European competition coming up on Thursday. And we played well tonight. I thought we, we put them under pressure when we could do. I thought we, we harried them, made it difficult. But we had to defend. There were long periods when they had the ball. But overall, a really, really good performance. This was Declan Rice after a bug. This was yeah. Paqueta after a bug. I mean, but you know, they came back roaring, didn't they? Yeah, well, Suchek and uh, Naif, Agar, they were ill. But I have to, I'm saying it, Jim, as you know, it's, I thought it was, it's not easy when you have to play Manchester United to play a game very quickly from Thursday to Sunday. But the difference is, is we've had to do that more than any other team in the Premier League this year. I have to play Thursday to Sunday. No other team in the Premier League has as many two-day recoveries than us. And I thought maybe it took an edge off Manchester United a little bit tonight, but it certainly helped us and our players went and got after them as much as we could. And you know, it was great we got the goal. And look, we, we had a penalty shout. We had a, a goal from a, a cross, which we thought might have stood. So we, we had other opportunities. So now you look at the Premier League table and it makes comfortable reading from your point of view, does it not? Yeah, I agree totally. It eases the strain. Those, those other sides below have to try and get to 37 points mm-hmm. then to catch us. It still might not maybe be enough because you know, nobody nobody knows. But I think with four games to go for most teams, you know, uh, or three games for some of them, then it, it, it makes it really tough to get to that, that point tally. David, a final point. You must be thrilled at what you're giving the West Ham fans because this place was bouncing tonight. I've never seen the London Stadium like it. Yeah, I thought they, I thought we had, uh, the the crowd were fantastic tonight. They, they played a part. They played a part, and uh, you know we really needed it. But I think if you saw the way the players performed tonight, they had to get behind it. And I have to say, you know, I'm really pleased for for the owners as well because you know it's a good good result tonight. They've got semi final the cup, and you know they deserve it. So uh, I'm pleased for them. Do you know something, Simon? It, it, there was a time that the ownership at West Ham might get a bit jittery with David and, and they didn't do it. Yeah, they could have fallen into the same trap as everyone else, not having the faintest idea who they're going to replace him with. Right, exactly. So they kept so again, as the dial swung a bit in Moise's favour, and, I, the, and I the, would, I, the I would think term. it would have been foolish to have taken David Moyes out because yeah. you always think David Moyes is going to be calm enough and have enough about him to get you out of a disappointing league season. We can paint this how we want. It's a disappointing league season. David will know it. It absolutely is. They get they out. Stay up and they win in Europe. Well, it's, it's a disappointing league season. Yeah, if they finish twelfth or thirteenth, which is like, likely to be, and, I, and and skirted with relegation up until four yeah. games out. I think after yeah. the Newcastle game, Simon at home, they lost five one, didn't they? I think they have probably some nervousness at, at that point. They lost five one at home, um, and then they beat um, Fulham away. Hmm. That, that might have been the rescue out there, and then Jim, and, the, and the Arsenal game coming back from was like a win. 
you know, the way they performed, and then, of course, away at Bournemouth. So that pretty well was obviously beneath but them. Other teams started to respond. They lost three games on the trot. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's Moyes out again. But there isn't and a so history. so that's kind of shut people up a little bit. There isn't a history, you know, as much as we have our differences of opinion, myself and David Sullivan, there isn't a history of Sullivan being particularly trigger-happy. And when he and David Gold were sitting on top, God rest David's soul, yeah. um, they didn't necessarily just react. They didn't react to the adversity that they got, let alone the adversity of the manager. And normally what happens is the moment the chairman gets pelters in the minds of the media and the fans, mm. then the fat manager carries the can for it. Yeah. So but they've, they been, lose, but they've been having pelters for years. So Simon, if they lose the next three games, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, but if they lose the next three games and they don't, they go out to the semi-final, does Moy stay in the job next season? I still feel there is a challenge for David. Um, I mean, I really like David. I do. I like him as a fella. I think he's a really decent football manager, but I think there's a point where your race is run and there's a change that's needed. Now, whether that change is triggered by Declan Rice bringing a load of funds into the football club and subsequently that football club changes its direction, whether the ownership model changes because there's effectivity in now selling it for Sullivan and the and the Czech guy or whatever he is comes in and spends more money in there yeah. and whether there's a need for a new manager. Oh, look, David Moyes, I doubt will ever get West Ham relegated. I doubt that in his tenure. For sure. But you're looking in an upward direction. Now, of course, if he goes and wins the European League, everything gets glossed over. It gets you know, And David will say, well, the headline figures were 150 million quid. I can assure you we didn't spend that much. I'm sure David would say that. Yeah. Because that's the way that the, you know, that's the way we've represented ourselves. Oh, it it's not a actually... great season for them if they win it. But it's yeah. not a great season. It's a great season if they win the Euro... It's a great season by the very nature of being in the third-rate European competition, which will give West Ham something to win. But Sam and Declan knows what they've been in amongst. He says it would be a great season. We've had disgruntled West He's Ham fans ringing in, ringing in here every week, Jim. Well, we? yeah. We've had to pick up West Ham off. fans and... Support your manager. Well, back of a win against Man United. So you're going to get this natural euphoric reaction. Mm. You cannot suggest that West Ham have had a great season in the league. In the league. The European competition will give them the trophy that the fans have corrected me, my view on, that actually will take a trophy. We'll even take a trophy against relegation. Yeah, when you're kicking around, right, playing next season against Huddersfield or someone of that nature in the championship, you'd soon look back on it and go, actually, maybe I didn't, that's not a trade I wanted. Within yeah. these three games remaining though, Jim, they will have a major say in who does go down because they're to play Leeds at home mm. and they play Leicester away. Yeah. And they can go into those games now without the tension that the other the opposition has because they're huge games. And now... There was a huge feeling last night. He swam one. his way to safety. There was yeah. a massive feeling of achievement last night sure. in and around the London Stadium. Not just with the fans, but with the players themselves. I mean, I watched them. It was like a weight off. And now what they're looking forward to, Thursday, a European semi-final first leg. 100% engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Liverpool fans booed the national anthem that was played before their match against Brentford. Uh, why was it played? It was played to mark the coronation of the King. In a moment, you're going to hear Jurgen Klopp on this, but this is what happened. First and foremost, today is obviously a big day for, for England, and I respect that a lot. And everybody who wants to be happy about it and wants to celebrate it is allowed to celebrate it. But we have, thank God, since a while, and not everything is better nowadays than it was in the past, but we have the freedom of free speech and that means of free opinion as well. And I thought how the people did it. It was clear that something like this will happen. I think everybody knew it. And it's allowed and that's fine. Nothing else happened. It was not any kind of chance or whatever. Just the people showed 
They were not always happy in the past with the things, how the people of Liverpool, the city or the club were dealt with. And that's, that's, uh, that's then what they did. That's it. But I think really today, for all other people who, who love the day, and, who, and, and I'm not sure if you say congratulations to the king, and I'm, if, that's, if we do that, then I do that here. It's really celebrated and don't think about other stuff. But people who are not happy about it, say it, and then that's it. I think it was absolutely okay. So that was Jurgen Klopp. Say it, and then that's it. And it was absolutely okay. Um, Simon, I noticed on Twitter, you immediately put a very, a very short reaction. Wasn't this impressive? Obviously, tongue-in-cheek. But um, the Liverpool fan, as Klopp said, it was always going to happen. Mm. It was clear it would happen. Yeah. <clears throat> so it is freedom of speech. Yep. It is freedom of opinion. Yes, it is. So what's wrong with that? And but you don't you don't get freedom of speech without freedom of consequence. So freedom of consequence comes. I what you say has a consequence for saying it. So by definition, people will have an opinion on it. So the consequence for your freedom of speech, if that's what you think, putting banners up like stick your crown up your whatever the word terminology was, is freedom of speech. Then um, then you the consequence will be people will opine on it. Um, look, we we knew this was. Why should there be consequence to it, incidentally? Because there is. Because freedom of speech doesn't come without freedom of consequence. You get you get the right to say something, and then ultimately people will have a reaction to it, or there'll be a consequence to it. But and consequently, they, these fans would stick with what they did. And that's fine. And say, we were right to and do we, it. It's we, how we feel. And that's how they feel. And if they if they want to draw a parallel between what I believe to be the case, and maybe Liverpool fans will come on and correct me, if they, want to be, if they believe that the Tories of the 80s were put in place by the royal family and the royal family are the establishment and everything that was done to Liverpool was as a result of the Tories and the royal family. That's their, that's their viewpoint. They're entitled to their view. Um, over the years, we've all had the greatest of sympathy and empathy with the challenges and the tragedies that the Liverpool fans have had. I find this very difficult to respect. I think it's their view. And as they rightly say, they have a view. And if this is the way they want to air it, if this is how they want to represent their football club and represent the sentiments of what Liverpool represents as a football club around the world. That's their gift. If they want to boo Jordan Henderson of one of their own because he sang God Save the King, then I think that's... Where's your freedom of speech then, then? Your freedom of speech works for you when you want to express your views. But Jordan Henderson, one of your own. Kenny Dalglish, one of your own. Other people that have been given gongs by the royal family that are part of the establishment which you profess to rebel against or despise... I'm not seeing you have the same vitriol towards them. I think it's sad. I also think Liverpool perhaps should have stood down the national anthem. There wasn't. There was a guideline from the Premier League suggesting this might be something. Given this moment in history, this unique moment in history, it's like the protesters coming into London, the Peter Tatchells of the world. If you don't want to be part of it, don't be part of it. People are celebrating. The bulk of the country but are they, celebrating. No, but they want to be part of it because they want to make their feelings known. But there, but there's a time and a place to make your feelings. If you don't, they like don't want to hide from it. They don't want to shy away from and the, it. And, they and they the football, want to make and their the football, feelings known. And the football fans have more of a view, have a right to a view in this instance, in this instance, because my view is, if you don't want to be part of a party, why go to that party and ruin it? Right? We, I don't. Yeah. If I don't like someone's house, if I don't like someone's, house, I wouldn't go to their birthday party and ruin their birthday party because I don't like them. Right? You just wouldn't go. So that's why I disagree with the protesters in London. But the Liverpool fans. I have a bit more empathy with it because it was foisted upon them. Now, maybe Liverpool, they went to a football match. They didn't go to celebrate the coronation, right? So why do we need to have this national well, anthem play? everyone was doing this up and down the country. But they were given a choice. Now, given the nature, well, there wasn't going to be any respect. There was going to be this headline. So perhaps Liverpool, 
as a club, should have stood down the national anthem and said, No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's a minority. Okay, it's a growing minority. But look at the media narrative. I think they're wrong. I think they're they're wrong to, to boo. And I think it should be like a no, statement. You think it's they're wrong. Statement. They think they're right. But it's a statement of pride, Jim, for, for what we're celebrating. You know. But they have and no I... pride in it. They have no reaction. They despise the royal family because of what they believe they represented in the Tories' the, you know dissection of that particular part of the world. Mm. And I and I'm so, we didn't live there, so we can't they, relate. They've been doing the national anthem since the 1980s. Yeah, I think it's it's a protest against the establishment. Indeed, indeed. Particularly again, the then Prime Minister Margaret no, Thatcher's. No, I understand. But that. Jim, part the of the constitu- managed decline of the city. Part yeah. of the constitution is the, prim- the Prime Minister is chosen by the King, by the people. Yes, but he's given the role by the King. But it, That's the only link, really. But it, but it so makes I, you die, doesn't it? So when we, the alternative to this establishment mentality, which I'm not for, by the way, I don't care that much about the monarchy. I respect their value to society, but I'm not a monarchist. So let's have a Republican. Let's have a, let's have a President Johnson, shall we? Let's have a President Starmer. Let's let's have a situation. There's one thing being empathetic towards the tragedies that this football club has. There's another thing, indulging this sentiment that the Liverpool fans have. And in this instance, I'm, I'm not, I know they'll go out, I know they'll be outraged. They'll turn around and call me all the names that they normally do. When I'm asking, you don't know what it's like, you don't know this and you don't know the other. The other. I just don't think this is particularly admirable. And if I was Liverpool Football Club, the lesser of two evils would have been to stood down the national anthem because all you've got now is a media narrative that this fan base has a view, which I do not think is enhancing. But the that wouldn't club. have been a democratic people, thing to do, would like it? Soon as he was the captain of Liverpool, that comes in here raving about his relationship with the monarchy, and then square the circle of how he's played the, for this the football should, club. The national anthem should view. be bringing us together, not dividing us. People should if respectfully you feel that way. Yeah, but I, look, Jim, you know this is obviously very political, but. I just it's, feel it's they, they should have politics. showed that. It should be some sort of pride today in, in listening to but that why, but why on we, the day. But Martin, what's this got to do with politics? People are making it political. They're suggesting... But what's it going to do with football? Well, football is the national game. Football is... Was the, the Premier League right to force this occasion onto football? Did they force it or did they ask the football clubs to take a view? Because I understood that the football clubs had a choice. Martin Samuel in the Times says, there was absolutely no reason to play God Save the, the King at football matches on Saturday. Certainly no reason, once it was apparent that the coronation would fall on the day of a Liverpool home game. No, there was every reason. That's that's wrong. Because the million people that would have gone and watched football around the country, the majority of them are people that would be pleased to see the coronation. There is a minority that's not. So what you suggest is this unique moment in history of which football forms a part of the natural psyche and the natural culture of this country. All these people in one particular place, the bulk of them would want to celebrate. And there is a minority which you have to respect. So Martin is saying yeah. that the exception, basically, because Liverpool fans have this view, stand it down for the other 45 games around the country. No, stand says, it down. Yet the Premier League blundered on. And he, he cites the examples that you have actually correctly cited yourself, Simon. Sir Kenny Roglish, Ian Rush, MBE, Jordan Henderson, MBE. But those people are not the voice of Liverpool Football Club, not the loudest voice. Anyway, I mean, well, I mean at t- the end of the day, Simon, the, the people who pitched up in, here in London to protest against the coronation, were they wrong? To do it, yes, I think they were, yeah. Because as I said to you earlier on, you are entitled to your view. What you're trying to do is hijack that something that the majority of people want to celebrate because you want to superimpose your view over it. Your got, view, your but, view. But there is such a thing as freedom of opinion. And well, yes, and there's also such a thing as operating in a way that's respectful of the majority. Your you, you'd view. You see North Korea trending on Saturday you, you, when these people were arrested. Jim, could they not just silently protest? Do they have to make such a booing noise and noise and? Attract attention. Well, to you'd it. have to ask them. But again, but they're not doing it for no reason, are they? Well, they're doing it for their own. They're not do- they're, they, they feel 
totally justified in doing and it. And that's fine. And they have plenty of time you to do it. You feel totally justified in saying they're wrong. But well, that doesn't no, mean we have I to agree with I you, does it? I don't necessarily have the same view that you have that, that a republic is the better alternative. I don't have a view that the monarchy are the greatest things since sliced bread. I have an ambivalent view and I can see both sides of an argument. But if I'm invited to a party and I hate the person whose party I'm going to, and all I want to do is go and ruin it for everybody else that's there, I wouldn't go to that party. It's not really the same thing, Well, is it? it's exactly the same thing. This is a celebration of a monarchy. You don't want to be part of it. That's fine. So you, you can, oppose it. So you can go and protest. No, no, no. This you I, have the right to this oppose idea, it. This idea about protesting and this democratic right we have in this society about the right to protest, there is a boundary. There is a level that you're entitled to. And what the activists are doing is pushing it and then hiding behind freedom of speech. Let's tell you what we'll do. We'll enforce our minority views over you, disrupt your view of it, try and create a different culture in this country because it's our view, and then we'll get on with it under, under the auspice of freedom of speech. We'll glue ourselves to buildings. We'll shut down roads that people can't get their family to hospitals because our view is this. Our view is more important than the majority's view. And we've got to get on with it because under the auspice of freedom of speech, that's what they trot out. Freedom of speech is fair, but not without freedom of consequence. They have to have the same weight, the same opportunities. You're 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken. Don't forget to leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back tomorrow. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.